Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Of course, you can get Talking Tide wherever you prefer to get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Catch us as well live on YouTube and Facebook, the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Give us a follow there. Uh, links to all our podcasts drop there right away. Travis, uh, this a-day rendition of the Talking Tide podcast, uh, a Sunday nighter coming off of the spring finale over at Bryant-Denny Stadium Saturday afternoon. Uh, we'll be discussing that. We'll probably wrap up uh, looking ahead a little bit to the NFL draft for some of these Alabama draft prospects getting ready to get selected, but certainly uh, first and foremost, A-Day uh, and the quarterback battle uh, that uh, – didn't exactly inspire, that's, shall we say, <laughs> um, on it, A-Day. It didn't. Um, I, I guess I didn't go into it with high expectations. Not so much because I don't feel like one or both of these guys and Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson can't be the guy in 2023. I'm not totally convinced that you know Alabama's going to be in a place of being able to really lean on one or both of them if it comes down to it. I think I came out of it feeling like I did going in from the standpoint of uh, this will not be a quarterback-centric offense. I don't think either one of us had that expectation going into 8A. So when I look at it from that perspective and I see like the white team, and we've seen this in the past, both of us, Chase, 8A can turn into like a seven-on-seven with with the passing game. Right. We see the white team throw it 43 times, uh, and they run it 28 times. I mean, do we really think the ratio, unless Alabama gets behind really early by a big number in a game in the fall, it's going to look like that, right? Right. In in terms of pass and and run ratio. Same for the Crimson team, 41 pass attempts, 28 rushing attempts. And, And look, some of those rushing attempts were sacks, too. So they weren't even real rushing attempts. You know, when we look at it from that perspective, you'd think it would be those two numbers would pretty much be inverted. Right. When when you head toward the fall. Um, No question about it. And, and, you know, my take, um, you know, that I wrote for the T News, Travis, kind of tried to point out best I could the the inability, frankly, of a spring scrimmage under uh, sanitized conditions, let's say. Um, can it, can it, is ever much of an indicator, um, of, of anybody? I mean, I mean, how many times have we seen, uh, um, Dixie Howell award winners not, not make a bang in the fall, right? Uh, it, it, it happens a lot, uh, when it comes to quarterbacks. Can y'all, but last year, the starting offensive line gave up 15 sacks. And again, it's non contact sacks. I get it, but there was, uh, natural concern uh, over, a lot of bad bad over last summer, and guess yeah. what? It, what what ended up happening, Travis? Alabama's pass protection turned out just fine, just fine. Yeah, uh, the tackle my, spots it did. Uh, yeah. No, so, I, I agree. Um, I mean, with the with the premise, the the bottom line is be careful about how much you try to take away from an eight day scrimmage. I do think that we did see enough again, to think that, 
you know, quarterback has a, a ways to go. Now, again, that's another thing that we're comparing to the previous guy who very well might go number one overall in a few nights in the <laughs> right. NFL draft. So, right. you know, you got to kind of temper these things a little bit when, when you start trying to make transitions from, you know, a, a stretch of quarterback play for all time in Alabama football. You know, from Jalen to Tua to Mac to Bryce Young, we're talking about all-time quarterback play right. at Alabama. That One of these guys, we're assuming it'll be one of these guys, uh, is looking at, or both, is looking at walking into that uh, unenviable uh, type of situation. So uh, there's a lot of things to take into account. Um, you know, I guess we could talk about the offense. I, you know, I thought Jalen did some decent things. Uh, I thought Ty did some decent things. I thought consistency was an issue. I was a little surprised by the drops by the wide receivers, Chase. Not sure about you. I know Nick talked about that yeah. a couple of times post-game, that that was not indicative of what he had seen from the receivers throughout the previous 14 practices. So there was some comfort in hearing that from him, that this yeah. was kind of the outlier for spring for his receivers. Um, you know, and still with that offensive line, specifically at left tackle, I think we learned that, you know, that's an evolving situation and that there's still some things that could happen there that you know, are going to be different than what we saw maybe in the spring. Yeah, you definitely saw a, what looked like a disjointed passing attack for really for on both sides. And there were communication issues. I think there were route running issues. Saban alluded to those. And uh, you mix that with young quarterbacks that maybe aren't quite what they're sure what they're seeing everywhere. And you have hesitancy in the pocket um both simpson and milrow both looked unsure of themselves that's concern if you want to say there, you know a, an 8a scrimmage can you know kind of lean in one direction or another travis i would think that poise would be the easiest thing for a young quarterback to have in a in, a, in an eight day environment for a couple of reasons number one the defenses are vanilla. Nick Saban says that he, that's how, that's how they do it every year. So it's not like they're getting a, a bunch of different looks and schemes and fake blitzes and, you know, bells and whistles thrown at them. So you would hope there would, there would be less hesitancy at least because of that. And then uh, you could certainly say all the more poise should be expected when you know, you're not going to get hit. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to see from the quarterback position in general on Saturday was just how these guys operated from within the structure of the offense. Because we know with the first two and Melrose and Simpson, they're pretty comfortable when the plays break down. They might be more poised when they're forced to do something outside the structure of the offense than within it. So I want to see who can be comfortable within the structure of the offense. Um, I thought Ty Simpson did some good things in, in that regard. Um, Jalen, it was tough because it just seemed like the pressure was there on him in terms of pass rush from the outset. You know, Q Robinson was a problem. He wasn't Ryan Anderson. He wasn't Tim Williams. He wasn't Will Anderson from a year ago, but he was a problem. And really, um, that crimson pass rush, that edge pass rush in general, was was problematic. He even got some pressure early in the scrimmage from Jihad Campbell right up the the A gap uh, that mm. you don't like to see. So 
just a tough evaluation, really. I, now, I will say this. Is Jalen Milrow from the pocket anywhere close to Bryce Young right now? No. No. No, he's not. And and I don't know if he ever will be. Uh, but, again, in terms of how this offense, and we at least – if it's one of these two guys and how it's going to be structured in the fall, just really hard to, to think about a lot from Saturday translating – to the fall because how many zone read keeps did we see from the quarterbacks in the scrimmage a couple of three Jalen scored Tough. on one right. Simpson had about a 45 yard run on another but that was about it wasn't it yeah I mean, that's I, gonna have a place in this offense if it's one of these two guys and other no, quarterback runs as well there's no doubt and if and if Milrose the guy I think you'll see even more of it because because he's dynamic Travis I, I, I'm about oh. ready to say he's the best athlete on the football team Oh, I, um, I don't think you get much of an argument. You know, from, Kool- yeah, Kool-Aid's I, up there probably. Kool-Aid and, no, I agree. But So uh, they're going to utilize that. And, you know, it's like how much 11 personnel did they go with Saturday? A ton. You really yeah. think they're going to be in three wides that much? Now, I've been sort of the, the voice in the wild in this offseason that they're not going to be three tight end sets just because Tommy Reese is coming in. You know, I still anticipate 11 personnel. They've always been that way under Nick Saban. 11, 12, that's going to continue to be the case. Do I think they're going to be as spread out as they were in the fall either? No. No, I don't think that. Best throw of day for Jalen Milrow for me, Travis, was definitely the throw at the end of the first half to Kendrick Law for 27 yards. Uh, Laid it right over Terry and Arnold, Christian Story, a couple steps late getting over. That ball was exactly where it had to be. That's that's the lightning that you'd want to bottle uh, if you're Tommy Reese on on Jalen Milrow. Best throw for Simpson. How about the deep ball to, to Burton late in the game? Um, that that was a uh, Burton had his his uh, coverage wasn't super tight because I think Burton had his man beat by at least two steps, but the ball was on time and it was on the money. It was. That was a pretty ball. Um, you know, Jermaine had a drop. Isaiah Bond had a, a, a couple of drops. So, you know, that kind of worked both ways for the quarterbacks uh, in this scrimmage Saturday. I would agree with that. Yeah, I thought Jalen's throw, um, I, I think it was, yeah, that was, he had a couple of them to, to law, I believe, that were, were really good. And, um, you know, I thought depth at quarterback was a positive on Saturday, man. I'm, I was very impressed with Dylan Lonergan and going back to his high school tape. I liked some of the stuff that you saw from him intangibly. Like this is a guy that can play football. He, he doesn't just play quarterback, but just in terms of the polish and you talk about the comfortability that he showed uh, in a pretty big Scott spot for him at this stage in his career. Uh, I thought that was a real positive. And I, I think Eli Holstein showed you some good things as well. Um, defensively, Travis, let's touch on, well, we'll stay on offense for a little bit longer, I guess. Got to talk about Justice Haynes really quick. Running back. Touchdowns. Yeah. Um, he, he was outstanding, Travis. They, they look like they're in good shape at that position, even though, um, yeah, they're not bringing back what you call an Alabama bell cow, right? It, it, they don't have a thousand yard back coming back like they seem to do most years, if, if not year after year. Um, so there's maybe a little less experience, uh, but but 
It's uh, between McClellan and what you see from Haynes, Roy Dell Williams. It seems to be in pretty good hands. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. They got Richard Young, another highly regarded back from the high school ranks, joining this mix at the end of May, early June. So um, they're going to have five good ones on scholarship as they head into fall camp, barring something unforeseen. And Justice Haynes, you had heard, just listening to Nick Saban, you know, in the previous week or so, talk about Justice Haynes and the maturity and the physicality and the uh, just really as much as anything, the intangibles that he brought. You already knew he was talented because you could see that on the high school level, but um, he, he validated a lot of that, if not all of that, in the 8 day game and um, showed you it as a runner uh, in some sort of red zone situations, which they need to continue to improve in both there and short yardage in general. And then as a receiver uh, with the touchdown grab. So, and I like this too about Justice Haynes. He showed a real awareness and polish already as a pass protector when he was in there at times. And, you know, we talk about the vanilla nature of a, of a spring game, but there were times where Kevin Steele was bringing some numbers and the Alabama defensive staff were bringing numbers. Now, I don't think it was exotic stuff. It's probably stuff the defense, the offense has seen throughout the spring. They do blitz uh, periods and things like that. Um, but there, there were times where I thought he looked good in, in that regard as well. Right, right. Uh, I remember Saban after last year's 8A game when they had all the pass pro problems. He said, look, the offense didn't even check and protect it, checking to, you know, changing protection at the line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you presume that was the case again, uh, yeah. then, yeah, but uh, uh, def- definitely that. Haynes looking good. Offensive line. Thought it was a rough day for Elijah Pritchett. I, I, I liked what I saw more from the right side, Travis, uh, for sure. A lot of potential there. Uh, J.C. Latham and, and, and Tyler Booker, I, I think, can can cave things on that side. Uh, and it, and if if they like what they can get for a true Y over there too, maybe mm-hmm. um, it, it, that that's uh, going to be music to the ears of, of Jace McClellan, et cetera. Um, but uh, your thoughts on that O line, really quick. Yeah, you know, I thought um, they had a little bit of a mix-up early in the scrimmage when Campbell was able to get through the A-gap, and it looked like Seth McLaughlin and Tyler Booker were sort of talking to each other coming off there after that. But otherwise, you you didn't really notice J.C. Latham, which is always a good thing in a scrimmage like this where the football's thrown as much, and that's because he wasn't having issues really at all over on the right side. And um, you said it with Elijah Pritchett. Um, kind of a tough afternoon in some ways. And understand, too, as we talk about game plans and what you do to prepare for a situation like an A-Day, there aren't a lot of things built in um, to help you cover for some things, right? And that's part of the evaluation process. You want to put him out there one-on-one and see if he can deal with a guy like Q Robinson because you didn't have Dallas Turner, you know, and Chris Braswell out there. And right. good for Q Robinson. Had a big scrimmage. I think he looked improved. But um, you've you got enough tape at this point going into the summer that you, know, you kind of are going to be able to have a plan for that when you get into fall camp. And it's not to say that you know, guys can't improve between now and August. But um, for sure, there, there's some moving pieces there at offensive tackle. Caden Proctor, the young player, would be in that mix, I would think. J.C. Latham maybe going over to the left side. Just a lot of things to consider as you get into fall camp. 
Defensively elsewhere, uh, Malachi Moore at safety. Travis, I think that was a smart move by Nick Saban in the spring. Wait, you got to have somebody at safety who can make the calls and has been around. And uh, dropping more into that safety spot essentially gives that to them. They've been working with Earl Little at Star. Uh, things were a little different, obviously, on A-Day. Uh, but it sounds to me like they're they're fairly comfortable with, with more at safety and, and Little at Star. Yeah, Nick alluded to the the transfer portal impact in the last week or so, I guess having more to do with Malachi playing star uh, with the ones and Earl working with the twos at star. And that really sounded like Earl Little's got every opportunity to be the guy at star, right? Uh, when they get into August and beyond with Malachi at safety. And well, I, the more I hear about Caleb Downs and see from him, I think he's, Maybe that rare freshman chase, they're hard to find where you feel like you can count on them to make some checks and calls and, you know, be in the right place at the right time. So he definitely has the look of a guy like that as well. And if you consider Christian Story in that safety mix, I think they probably feel good about their top three safeties right now. And then Little at the star and then their corners with Terry and Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry, that, that's a good sounding five or six players, if you ask me. It's more about depth beyond those guys that you worry about, right? I, I see that it is, and I, and I see the same ceiling I think you see with Caleb Downs at that safety spot. He, he, he looks like uh, he's really got it together at that spot. And yet you look back and you, you think about some of the very best safeties Nick Saban's had at Alabama, as good as they were, most of them were mainly special teams guys, if not only special teams guys, as freshmen. Um, so that that's – and I'm sure Caleb Downs will be, I would assume, a, a, an outstanding contributor on special teams as well. But it would be fun to watch how quickly uh, he, he he's, you know, goes from special teams to, to being a, a leader on the – might be immediate, might be game one, who knows. It, it kind of has that feeling right now. Um, you know, and you're right. As far as freshmen at that position, maybe you start them like a Mika Fitzpatrick at a star position. You give them maybe a sub package role because you feel like, hey, that's where they might be able to help us the quickest is that mm -hmm. money or star. And you give them that to sort of sink their teeth into, but you don't really entrust them with one of those safety spots. Right. Because you can bust coverages, you can bust calls. Uh, but I don't get that sense with Caleb Downs. Now, it's a little different situation with the secondary right now with attrition and, you know, what we're going to see in the NFL draft coming up here in all likelihood. But, uh, you know, and it's also – here's what's also harder to chase. You know, five or six years ago, if you went to a third or fourth year player and said, look, you're in great shape to be our money in the dime, a lot of guys would go, "That that's great. I mean, right. coming out of spring to already kind of feel like that's the step I'm going to get to take in all likelihood with the potential for more um, guys would sign up for that. Now I think there are guys third, fourth year in the program. You tell them, well, it's kind of looking like money and that's the role. Like, the hell with this. I'll hit the portal, go somewhere else and right. be in every down safety and drop down right. there and, and dime. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's right. not the sell. It was five, even five or six years ago. I'm not saying they're going to, maybe have some issues with that. Um, but it's just different. And, you know, like Hootie Jones, 
He it was is. that sort of guy. He was the would have been hard to hang on to Ali Sharif in this day and age. Yeah, they know? don't, they don't, they don't. Yeah, when you tell them that as much, you know, they go, "Well, we'll see yeah. how it goes." You know, I'll check back with you. <laughs> Portal closing on April thirtieth. I guess uh, here in in a week, Travis. We'll uh, we'll know who's in and who's out for sure. I would imagine Alabama will catch a couple more losses here over the next seven to eight. No reason to think they would, and had several say Sirenara even before a <laughs> day. Uh, plenty of writing on those walls, clearly. Uh, but they uh, didn't, uh, a couple of them didn't hang around to, you know, get their Jerry Duncan. I like to practice. Award, you know? I wonder, I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if they got coach. their votes in. I wonder yeah, if they got their I'll votes in. I'll be over in. here in the portal. Yeah. <laughs> Talking Tide Podcast um, on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Want to thank uh sponsor right now, Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. Travis, what about him? Peterbrook Chocolatier right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Just completed a great run through Easter. If you were in town in Tuscaloosa for a day weekend, hope you were able to stop by and check out all the great treats, all the great chocolate right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. You know what's coming up? Mother's Day. I don't know a mama that doesn't love chocolate. So look, it's an easy, it's an easy assignment for you. Peterbrook Chocolates here. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on again, the Twitter feed talking underscore Tide. Travis, uh, for the last few minutes of the show, uh, we'll take a quick look ahead at the NFL draft for uh, some top Crimson Pride, Crimson Tide prospects. Once again, uh, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, obviously the top two. Young expected to go number one to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I put Dar- I put Daniel Jeremiah to uh, uh, to the test on a teleconference earlier this week, Travis, and asked him about the, the likelihood of, of Anderson going two, which, which is one two from the same school. Uh, has only happened three times ever in the NFL draft. He, he, he doesn't think it's out of the realm of possibility, um, but uh, Texans – uh, where Will Anderson did have an official visit, uh, uh, and D'Amico Ryan's, of course, the coach there. Uh, they hold that number two pick. Cardinals pick three, Colts pick four, Seahawks pick five. Anderson will be gone, I would think, for sure by that fifth pick, if not sooner. Yeah, that Vegas money seems to have shifted pretty heavily, I guess, towards Bryce being that number one pick. That's been the sentiment here for a couple of weeks now first time an Alabama player will have gone number one overall since Harry Gilmer in 1948 I believe mm. so uh mm. how about that one in the modern era I guess we could say <laughs> the NFL draft he will be the first Alabama player to go number one overall and so from a recruiting perspective you love it obviously if you're Nick Saban but you're right you know and I've talked about this in the past you just wonder not that Will, and I agree, I, I don't see him getting past the fifth pick. Um, but would Will Anderson have been better off if he could have come out last year as a sophomore in that draft? Because right. we had Travion Walker, uh, I guess, go number one overall to our Jags. You going to take him or Will Anderson a year ago? After the numbers Will had in 2021, that's a fascinating retrospective, I guess. But um, both those guys are going to go early. Uh, Bryce obviously expected to go one. 
I have a hard time imagining the Texans not going quarterback at two. Maybe they don't, but uh, they they definitely have a need there as well. They absolutely uh, do have a big need at that spot, those Houston Texans. Brian Branch going to be in Kansas City himself, along with Will Anderson and Bryce Young. And Chase uh, Goodbread. I'll yeah. be headed up there. Absolutely. Nick Kelly and I both will be headed. You got to represent the... for both days in case you don't go in the first round. They yeah. keep showing you in that green room, you know, like Landon Collins that year. Yeah. Landon uh, had to wear the same suit the second day, you know. He didn't they, go in the first round. They only bring that one suit, Travis. It's just that, that second suit's bad. You know luck. how many suits Mama brings up? Mama brings four or five for the broadcast. Yeah, uh, but Junior brings one. That's all he gets. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Brian Branch with his versatility for sure, I think going to go in the first round as well. His, his draft stock's really gone nothing but go up. Jameer Gibbs, Travis, a borderline late first, early second guy. That's the word on him. Uh, the outstanding Alabama running back, uh, who's, uh, so versatile and, and so effective in the passing game just for fun. I, I went and uh, scan the last seven or eight teams picking in the first round, Travis, tw- pick 25 through the end of the first round to see who might have a need at running back, just to see where Gibbs might be looking at, if that's if that's the area, the draft, where he goes. The Bengals picking at 28 apparently could be parting ways with Joe Mixon at some point. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, there's a salary issue there, um, so – who knows on that? So maybe the Bengals, maybe the Eagles at the number 30 overall pick be something to see Gibbs and Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurt. You think that wouldn't be Alabama fans' favorite team if the Eagles already weren't? Been um, some rumblings about Derrick Henry maybe to the Eagles. <laughs> there you go. The Eagles, as they say uh, up there. Reunite them. Uh, and then finally, another thought, Travis. The Broncos have no first-round pick. But if they wanted to move up into the end of the first round and get a, a Jameer Gibbs, you think about it, uh, who's their new coach, Sean Payton? And who, who did he know how to feature in New Orleans? Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara. And mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara is the kind of the Jameer Gibbs comp, uh, at least for the scouts that, that like him a whole lot. So just some some thoughts there. Yeah, and Payton, he likes multiple backs, or at least he did in New Orleans, and Jameer isn't a workhorse type, right? And he's a guy that you'd prefer to get it to him 15 times between running it and catching it probably in a game, um, which kind of works against the thought of taking him in the first round or moving up to get him because are you going to make that type of sacrifice to go get a guy that you plan to use in sort of a uh, uh, you know, a shared role? Yeah. Right. And so, um, no, it's, it's interesting to consider. There's no doubt about it. And look, Bijan Robinson or Jameer, I know that's a big debate. Um, Bijan is a great back, but if you want true home run speed, uh, I think Jameer's your guy in this. And and also with what he's able to do schematically, the versatility he's going to bring to you. And maybe even also in the return game, if you, you want to take that chance. Yeah. Two years in a row now, Alabama's had an, a, a, an offensive threat who really, um, runs a runs away from SEC speed. Jameson Williams, right, two years ago, and Jameer Gibbs had pretty much the same gear when he got loose. Obviously, a different position, um, so different impacts in different ways. 
Uh, but those two guys uh, both uh, can absolutely fly. It doesn't matter what level of football they're playing, uh, NFL or otherwise. So. Yeah, JMO could run through cover two. He just run right by that helping safety. And uh, right. Jameer can make right angles. He can erase good angles by defenders. You can think you have the, the right angle and the right approach to that guy. And uh, the next thing you know, you're looking at taillights. Yeah, when it comes to just uh, quickness, juking guys, making somebody miss in a phone booth, Gibbs is, Gibbs is your guy, too. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's no doubt about it. Not the biggest guy in the world. And like you said, don't, whoever takes him probably won't want to subject him to too much pounding between the tackles, but uh, uh, a big-time threat uh, from anywhere on the field for sure is Jameer Gibbs. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis and I uh, will be back next Sunday for a Sunday nighter. We'll recap uh, some of this NFL draft activity for you. By that point, uh, the draft will be in the books uh, and plenty more. So, uh, looking forward to that. For Travis Ryer, senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Belly Up Network and on Talking Tide.